In this universe, we look at a lot of things like failure is not such a bad thing. If you're not failing, you maybe you're not trying hard enough. Welcome to Ending Pending. I'm your host, Andy. I'm a dragon. I'm not. My name's Evan, and I'm not the host. I'm a cursed amulet salesman. And I've got lots of cursed amulets if you want to buy them. Kill your queen. Kill your queen. I'm Ronnie. The anachronistic cursed amulet trench coat man. How, how did they not see that one coming? I mean, I mean, they, everyone did, I guess they, is they what did. the joke is. Anyway. Everyone, everyone saw it coming. Anyway, Ending Pending is a podcast where we discuss television shows that have only lasted for a single season. We are currently covering... ABC's The Quest, and we are going to dive into episodes 7 and 8, but before we do that, I have a dragon-related question for you. Oh, boy. What is, uh, what's your favorite dragon? Hmm. Favorite dragon. Favorite, like, type of dragon, or favorite individual dragon? I mean, there's, you can answer this question however you, however you choose, but there's... Oh, I know so many dragons. I know there's so many. Oh, this is a challenge. Jesus. Did, did Ronnie just, like, disappear? I think he might have gotten raptured. <laughs> Fuck, Evan. I guess we're left here in our sin. Sorry, guys. Sorry, did I'm Did Ronnie back. just go to get the Dragonology book? Oh, I had that book. I just gave it to charity recently. This is never going to charity. This is staying in my life forever. So there's there's an artist on Tumblr. Well, I, I'm sure that they are present on other like media as well. But they draw like unusual dragon hordes. And there's one. Uh, there's there's a dragon that has a horde of VHS tapes, and a <laughs> dragon that has a horde of like gummy candy or or something like that, and. Um, I'm I'm partial to the dragon with a horde of panties. I like that one. It's a very charming looking dragon and it just it just loves underpants so much. So that's my favorite dragon. We'll we'll share a link to that on the Facebook page so people can see the weird dragons. Yeah, I, I love them. I'll find this artist and I will give them a free bump. Whatever that's worth. I really like the uh, the post about the dragon who loves his penny and travels with it in the town. Oh, so the 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 penny just yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's an, like an ultra ultra tiny dragon, yeah. and its entire horde is just one penny. Yep. And when people get change, the the dragon just clings to the penny and goes with them. So. And whenever someone's new to town and is confused by this, you know, someone will be like, oh, you're, you're new. It's the dragon. So I'll let you borrow it, but you got to spend it soon. <laughs> that is an adorable uh, dragon. I like that dragon. Yeah. Um, in the book Dragonology, um, they talk about a, di- a dragon that is, I think, similar to the Antipodian Opal Eye from Harry Potter. Um, it's a marsupial dragon. It's a it's a oh. dragon that's like it's from Australia, of course, from the, from the outback. Yeah, it and would it's be. and it, yeah, it just it it has kind of big hind legs like a kangaroo and a little pouch, and I would just like to like get tucked into this to this marsupial dragon pouch and just hop around all day long. It would 
It looks like it will be so cozy. The marsupial dragon rears one young at a time in a fiery pouch. So, like, oh. ooh, it's warm and toasty here. Or maybe you'll just die. I'll probably do that, but, like, I'll be comfy and cozy <laughs> while I'm dying. The, the, the few minutes that you're not being, like, singed alive will be very comfy. Well, it's before the it's before my dragon mom realizes that I'm not her dragon baby, and she like takes care of me as if I was, and it's like, oh, this is so nice, and then she realizes I'm not, and it's immediately not nice anymore. Oh. It's very bad. Yeah, my favorite dragon is whichever the last dragon is that I killed, <laughs> and uh, I think this the, got dark. I think the last dragon I killed was a lightning dragon in Dragon Age. My party was. Me, Iron Bull, Dorian, and uh, Cassandra. And we... It was a very long slog of a battle. It took forever. But we we got it. We killed it. Did you have sex with Iron Bull immediately afterwards? Uh, no, I'm dating Dorian right now. And we're Doesn't very matter. committed. But uh, I, I banged Iron Bull earlier after we killed a dragon. Oh, okay. Uh, but Iron Bull was very into that fight. He was very happy the entire time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can imagine. He was flirting a lot with Cassandra right before the battle, and I know she said, like, it's not going to happen, and he's like, of course, yeah. Um, but they might have afterwards. Like, I wouldn't be shocked. <laughs> All right. Oh, let's... that Cassandra and other video game character that you said. Always getting into sex. No, they're not. They they're never not. are. Yeah. That never happened. Never ever getting into sex. I know Dragon Age. <laughs> Iron Bull is with everyone but yeah. Cassandra. Yeah. All right. Let's Anywho. let's get back to this family friendly show that we're watching <laughs> about friendship and uh, virtues and dragons <laughs> and dragons, non sexual dragons. Um, <laughs> There's no such thing as a non sexual dragon. You don't and know dragon, that. Dragons are very erotic. <laughs> okay, Iron Bull. Agree with Ronnie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we watched episode seven and eight, as as Andy was saying. Episode seven is called Verlox Attacks," and uh, as the title would suggest, Verlox does indeed attack. So uh, this wicked, awesome, like special effects, makeup, scary-looking dude. The the scariest dude shows up. It's Verlux. Uh, they use some awesome, awesome special effects to make it look like the castle is, like, cracking. And there's, like, fire and smoke and stuff. And they have to flee the castle. Because it's, it's, it's been overtaken. It has, it has been seized. They have to sleep in a cave. And they're on the run with the queen and Ansgar and Creo. They have to signal to the the soldiers, like, out miles away that the, the castle's been, uh, the castle's been overtaken, and they do that with a challenge where they have to get these patterned, like, signal flags in the correct order, and then, like, raise it up on these poles so that the army far away can see, and so they're split into two groups, and one person is like calling out the the code that they need to do and then they have to put all these flags on so it was a very good segue into that challenge in the schoolyard pick um they ended up with one male team and one female team and the male team won that was Patrick 
uh, Shondo and Andrew. And so uh, Bonnie, Letitia, and um, Lena had to go to the Fates this episode. And the the Paladins had to, for the Fates challenge, uh, spy on a like a scouting group from Furlux's army and remember all of the little details about like how many shields they had and how many men there were and stuff like that and like basically do a memory test and Bonnie won that test and unfortunately uh, Leticia was eliminated in that fate's challenge in the boat. Episode 8 was called The Dragon's Lair and uh, Verlux apparently has released this dragon from an underground pit and it's like destroyed a town. It's not a team challenge. This is every man for himself, a head-to-head challenge. They have to assemble these machines from like parts that are in bags and use this mechanism to close the enormous gates that are over the dragon's like pit lair. There's only five of them left now, so only two can succeed. The three who do worse end up in the Fates Challenge, and it is Patrick, Bonnie, and Lena. As a segue from the trapping the dragon, they're then told that the dragon has laid eggs and they have to retrieve the dragon eggs so that they can be destroyed. So each of the dragon eggs is in a pit, and for the fate's challenge, they have to shimmy the dragon egg up the wall of a pit using only, like, a cage mechanism and some boards and stuff. They can't touch it with their hands because it's a dragon egg and it'll burn them if they touch it. Patrick wins that challenge, and to everyone's great anguish and my surprise a little bit uh bonnie is eliminated in that challenge so that's what went down also the queen is under the spell of the grand vizier the, the grand vizier yeah the 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 hook for the next episode was that the uh the queen's amulet that she'd been given by the vizier to quote unquote keep her safe started like glowing green in the night and there was like howling or something yeah yeah there's a creepy camera angle implying that something is creeping through the campsite but that was the hook for next episode yeah yeah that's i mean that was my joke that was my that was my amulet joke yeah um (laughs) oh wow yeah now you get it ronnie we all knew okay so we've watched two whole episodes of the quest and we're getting we're getting down to the nitty gritty we're in the meat yeah we're in the meat not the negative meat the real good regular old meat that tasty Um, dragon meat andy yeah these episodes work for you uh yeah it worked real good it really felt like they were in danger and on the run and i thought the challenges especially the one in the trees was real good Worked Evan. real good. Yes, Ronnie. Did these two episodes work for you? Yeah, they did. Um, I agree with Andy. We're really we're getting into the meat of the the conflict. 
And I think they did an especially good job in these two episodes of transitioning the challenges into the storyline in a way that felt more organic than they had before. I'm sure they had this all scripted out ahead of time, but maybe in terms of execution or in terms of the NPC's performance or something like that, this really, like, they sold it. The challenges all were very relevant, and the story does feel like things are getting urgent now. So, yeah, I'm right there with them. I'm in the thick of it. I'm totally emotionally invested. Uh, Ronnie. Yeah. Uh, were these episodes working for you? They were. Um, Evan, earlier during your recap, you said that, unfortunately, Leticia was, uh, she had to go. And it's unfortunate not because somebody else should have gone, but because at this point, it is hard to watch any of these paladins have to leave the show. Like, everyone is adding so much to the the fabric of this show and and everyone is contributing in such a way that anytime someone has to leave it is it is heartbreaking to watch them be banished by the fates yeah it's 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 yeah the people that are making up this show are are just as as they have the whole whole time are just hitting the nail on the head every time um but it can't be all good right like it, it it can't be fantastic all the time uh, Evan. Yeah, it's Ronnie. What about these two episodes just didn't work for you? Um, not much, to be honest. Um, I do feel like they're leading into the Vizier being the bad guy, and maybe, maybe this is, like, nitpicky, but I just feel like he's too obvious of a bad guy. If it does turn out to be him who's pulling all the strings and, and letting Verlux into the castle and stuff like that, I just feel like it was it was too obvious from the get-go. We could all put on our tinfoil hats because Creo was asleep when he was supposed to be on watch. <laughs> yep. Hashtag Creo uh, 2012. <laughs> it's really Creo. Um, other than that, I would just say I still feel like even though they had some more puzzle challenges and problem-solving challenges in these couple of episodes, I do still feel like they are still biased towards like really physically fit people. So that would be those would be my only complaints is that the the vizier is a little bit too obvious of a villain and like this, there's some puzzle challenges, but it feels like kind of a little bit too little too late. Um, that's all I've really got, though. I, I was, I was, like I said, pretty invested in these two episodes. Uh, Andy. Yeah. Uh, is there anything that wasn't working for you? Um, it felt like the dragon episode was very disconnected from Verlox taking the castle. And I know they said that, like, Verlox let him go. And I assume that Verlox didn't completely destroy the cage because he'd want to retrap the dragon. But they didn't do anything to permanently seal said dragon in the cage either. Like, there's nothing to stop Verlox from 
just letting him out again. And maybe if there had been some, like, of Verlox's army there guarding the dragon to stop people from relocking it, or something to make the dragon more connected to the rest of the plot, I feel like would have uh, been good. It was still a cool challenge and a, a really great Fates challenge, but uh, I felt like it was a little disconnected from the, the rest of the story. And then my second complaint is we didn't see the dragon. Like, we saw it in a cool clip of it, like, murdering that city, Trogdor style. But we didn't, we didn't see the dragon, like, with the paladins. And I get that they probably did not have the budget to build an entire dragon. But they they could have given us something more than the smoke we got. Maybe a nice snoot, a nice dragon snoot sticking out of the cage at the end or something. Yeah, or a, a tail like whipping into the darkness or something. Yeah. Like we don't need a whole dragon, but give me give me a bit. And those are my those are my only my only uh, criticisms. Hey Ronnie. Hey yeah. Do you have any any negatives for these episodes? Not a lot. Not a lot. I do. Th- I agree with. I agree with Andy. The dragon episode was kind of weak. Um, I feel like they just wanted to do a dragon thing, <laughs> and it just wasn't super well executed. It's strange for this show that is about an evil centaur-looking horned tiefling dude um, taking over a castle. For me to say, uh, you know, the dragon episode wasn't really believable. It took, <laughs> took, it took me out of it. But like, yeah, like the fact that like, I I felt weird for thinking the same thing. Like, yeah, why would there just be bags of gears around? And like the puzzle element of it was was interesting. Um, but also the fact that by the end of it, they were just like pulling the chains and not using the gears. And it's like, oh, we could have done this the whole time. <laughs> was just like. Not not the best game design. Um, and also at the end of that episode, um, the fact that the dragon laid three eggs like in similar, they basically like, come, come here. The dragon laid eggs in these basically dragon nests that we built for the dragon to lay eggs in, I guess. But anyway, kill the eggs. Um, it was just like, again, like, we're all keeping in the theme of the dragons. We're all, you know, playing this game, but it was just, it, again, it took me out of it. Um, I didn't mind the egg pits given that the dragon itself lives in a big pit. Right. I get that. But why, like the dragon didn't build those pits. Like humans built those pits. What are those pits for? If not for dragons to lay eggs in them. (laughs) You know, interestingly, (laughs) I feel like those pits. Okay. So the people who, who did the game design for this show, right? Mm-hmm. They did not build three, like, 12-foot-deep pits to put those eggs in. Those pits had to have been there before, and they were just using them for the... Right? I mean, I'm extrapolating no. here, but, like... Why would that ever be... Like, why would that be a thing? I couldn't figure it out either, but why, how on earth would they... Like, they would have to get bulldozers and shit out there. And, like, they were lined with stone and shit. I don't think that... That would have taken a very long time. Those had to have been, like, abandoned wells or something like that. I don't know. Those were very deep pits. They were so deep, and they were, like, lined with masonry. Yeah. 
I mean, it would be expensive, and we know this show was a bit over budget. They could have so. built a dragon, Ronald. Yeah, for they, the they cost of big, building pits. They, they were could... digging those pits. Anyway, I'm saying, I, I get the impression that those pits were there for some reason. In, like, out out of the universe. Like, some for some reason, some perhaps medieval person, like, built those pits for something, and they just used them for this show, so... If they built them in real life, it's perfectly reasonable that they would be there, and a dragon would be like, "Aha, that's a perfect dragon lair." I know that. Yeah. I know that this is a stretch of logic, okay? But it, yeah, I mean, this, this is but. this is a Spielbergian uh, suspension of disbelief that I'm willing to do. Of course, we don't have that many negatives because this show is real good. Uh, Andy, yeah. What about these two episodes? Just just ruled. Just was the best. Sir Ansgar always. He is he is a very attractive fantasy man. He's <laughs> out of all of Everrealm and Middle Earth and Narnia and Westeros, Sir well, Ansgar. No one in Narnia is sexual. Sir because... Ansgar is up there. Mm-hmm. Caspian's pretty hot in the movie. He's played by Ben Barnes. Oh yeah, I do love me yeah. some Ben Barnes. Yeah, he's a hottie. But not as hot as Sir Ansgar. That man is very, very attractive. And every time he's on screen, the show is doing great. Uh, other things that work... And he's a simple person with simple needs. Sir Ansgar. <laughs> other things that worked is that it really felt like they were in danger. The show did a good job of like showing life on the run outside the castle. They're sleeping in caves. They're sending up fallback points in case their camp gets attacked they're disguising their camp all the time with brush it's going out of their way to show the paladins like on the run and that really made the danger feel heightened i loved the fates challenge where they're up in the uh the tree like lookout post spying on verlox's army i thought that was a really great use of the story as well as the game like merging those two and um it also showed that like they're fighting a war and they're using guerrilla tactics like they're hiding and they're trying to figure out how big verlox's army is that was that was some good shit um while i didn't love the the first dragon challenge i really liked the egg challenge thought that was another really good use of like plot and game mechanics and uh i continue to love the bromance budding between shandu shandu and andrew they're they're great together that's that's what i got evan yes ronnie what about these two episodes of the quest just knocked your socks off um, I really like that the paladins got to hang out with the NPCs a whole lot more. They're mm-hmm. basically on the run with the Queen and Creo and Ansgar now. And also, I feel like the NPCs, first of all, because they have each other to play off of in terms of like improv, and because they're a little bit more used to their roles now, uh, I feel like all of the interaction was just smoother and more interesting and more believable. Um, I, f- I fucking love that Ansgar sleeps on a pelt on the ground in his armor. 
like outside of a tent <laughs> like a real goddamn man <laughs> um but yeah i like you mentioned ronnie i'm so attached to all of the paladins at this point that emotionally i'm all in on everything they're doing uh like even if stuff's a little bit hokey it it doesn't matter at this point because they believe it all the paladins believe it uh like on an emotional level the the npcs are really invested and there's so few of them now that even though this is a contrived made up way of like eliminating them one by one you you feel like they're dropping like flies like they're in danger dropping from six to four was brutal i can't imagine like dropping to one like from four that's gonna be tough yeah so um yeah it it is silly i agree with any criticisms of the uh the challenges and stuff but they're they're doing such a good job uh, in the way they stage the show and the way the NPCs behave and the way they're working the plot into the challenges that it doesn't matter. Everything everything feels really emotionally real. Uh, Ronnie! Ronnie! Yes, yes? Ronnie! Yes! Ronnie! Yes! What, uh, what's working for you? What, what, what blew your mind in episodes... Seven and eight. Um, Verlox is real scary. Yeah. They, they kind of show what we have to expect in, like, the two-minute opening uh, of, like, here's why we made the quest. But just seeing seeing Verlox in the castle, seeing him, like, so nonchalantly just, like, eyeing the paladins down. Like, I'm not even going to, like, come over there and, and throw down with you. Like, I'm just going to, like, oh, look at me. I'm putting my hand on a pillar, and now the castle's broken. And it's like, wow, this dude is so powerful. Like, it is, it, it scared me. It was it was very scary, and I was, like, as they were running through the woods, I was ready for Verlox to jump out and scare me again, and that would have been no good. Um, but it, it, it just... He kudos very good job on on that to me he looks kind of like a dark fey creature mm-hmm. like there's some like plant growth and like some smoke or mist or something come off coming off of him he is real intense yeah, yeah. um as for the challenges i do appreciate how they are becoming not not at all geared towards less physicality but the whole episode seven where it's it's all thinking and and puzzles a little bit and and memory like it it certainly is not like balancing the two out but it's you know it's showing that a little bit um i do i do like like the mechanic of the egg roll um <laughs> the even egg if, roll. I, if i think that the even if i think of the the egg homes the egg nests are a little are a little silly egg holes egg holes um it's just really encapsulating um, I love that we're in a new location now that like we're not in the castle because not that, that was getting old, but like it, we're with a group of people whose relationship, as as you both said, whose relationships are really growing stronger, both the paladins and the NPCs, and you're able to just kind of like 
playhouse. Like they're doing their own thing. They're out on their own. There's no grand vizier. There's no other townsfolk. It's just it's it's the squad. It's it's Creo. It's it's the Ansgard. It's the queen. It's the paladins. Like you get to really just relate with them well. Really learn more about them in a show that has already done a great job of like showing us who these characters are. It really like drills down and 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 highlights the best and some of them the worst parts of them. The slice of life uh, moments of like Queen Ralia giving Lena her cloak and mm-hmm. Shondo teaching Creo what Hala like means. <laughs> it was just like those oh my those little slice of life moments are great. Uh, Hearing Creo say Hala was, was like a prize. Like trying to do the mind. hand motion. <laughs> it feels like a D and D adventuring party now. Like now mm-hmm. that they're out on the road. And that's part of the charm, because, like, the castle was cool, but now they're surviving together. Mm-hmm. Now they're out in the wilds, and they're vulnerable, and they have to help each other survive. And they're running from place to place, and there's some great drone shots of them running across open fields. And it feels more epic, which is awesome. Um, we've, of course, been talking a lot about Ansgar, because... Ansgar is love, Ansgar is life. But I thought this was a really strong couple episodes for Queen Ralia. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Absolutely. Somebody calls out the fact that, like, this is the first time that Ansgar and Ralia have been to the Fates, been to, like, the Hall of the Fates. And I think that they included that, like, even if they, if the Paladins didn't know that, they included that because, like, on. Ralia's face she is like enamored with this like part of her kingdom like this part of like whoa this has been here the whole time huh this is what's like really culling down these paladins like she just did a fantastic job of that um and after after the uh the the egg roll um when Bonnie when Bonnie goes home she's sitting around with everyone and saying oh I really really would have love to hear one of bonnie's songs tonight and it's like oh of course my heart you are the you are like audience surrogate number one like that is exactly (laughs) what we need right now and 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 you feel it and you're the queen and i relate with that um and you're gonna get got in like five minutes because you're wearing a a cursed necklace but (laughs) i just want to say how much i love that because these challenges aren't just games they have like meaning in the universe in the story that whenever the winners are determined they're immediately tasked with helping the people who haven't finished yet because it's not about finding out who wins the message contest it's about getting that message to the front it's not about who can lock the dragon up first it's also like well everyone's got to lock it up and i really love that it adds to the believability that these challenges actually mean something and it adds to the camaraderie of the paladins too i want to point out something that i didn't that honestly didn't occur to me until several episodes in but um what do they win like besides a spear and like mad respect like in real life what do the what do the do they win money or like and it, I, I realized that I hadn't thought about this until several episodes in, because you don't care what they win. 
because you're so invested in the story. I am genuinely curious what they win. I don't actually know because uh, they never talk about it. They're never like, yeah, I'm going to win that $10,000 or, or whatever because nobody cares because all they care about is that spear and being the one true hero. So, yeah, if I have to guess, I'm going to go ahead and say that they, you know, if they don't mention what the prize is, they might not win anything. They might get like lots and lots of like free stuff from the show and like keep your tunic and keep all that stuff. But like, like I know, I mean, on most, a lot of challenge based shows, you do walk away with a prize if you win. But I know like a lot of reality shows that aren't challenge based, you don't get paid for being on them. Like it's, it's just like, like I know specifically the bachelor and bachelorette, you don't, not that you, but I mean, you're, you're giving your time to, you know, a network and, and that's kind of thing. So you would expect to be paid for that. But I, I don't know. I think that maybe that was a way of getting away with it <laughs> saying like, cause they're never going to bring it up. They're never going to say like, Oh, but also the, the human who is not actually a paladin will win $5,000 if they win. Like that's never going to be said and it's never going to be talked about. So like, What's the benefit of even giving them money? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That would be something I would want to hear. For, well, I guess we'll know next week. We'll, we'll have to reach out to some people on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, ask anyway. Them, ask them the goods. My point in bringing that up was that I was engrossed enough in the show that it never occurred to me un- until, like, maybe episode five or six. Like, oh, do they actually win anything besides the spear and... Hero dumb, huh? I don't know if they do, but all that matters is the spear and the respect. That's all that matters. Yeah, just gotta defeat Verlox. You gotta be that one true hero. Um, what did Frodo win? Um, PTSD. Yep. Yeah, he got he got to you know. Do that cool, very washed-out walk into the forest. Um, we should... We should decide whether or not it's working as a whole. Oh, yeah. I, I, I was going to talk about the, uh, the quotes that we got first, the, the listener mail. Let's do listener mail first. Yeah, let's do that. All right, so, uh, so Andy... Uh, a member of the Quest Army uh, reached out to some members of the Quest Army to ask, you know, what this show has meant to them, what the the community that the show has created has meant to them. And some people wrote in and, and left uh, audio clips for us. And so uh, let, let's hear from some of our some of the people in the Quest Army. We got uh, a lovely email from a fellow named Ron Floyd. And he went into a lot of detail about how the Quest and the Quest Army has positively impacted him. Um, to, to quote him, uh, by the second episode of the quest, I began searching online for some type of online community that was discussing this amazing show. Uh, I was surprised to find that the Facebook community was polite to one another and the producers, creators, actors, and the contestants were all in the thick of it as well. Um, he goes on to talk about how the quest community on Facebook, uh, really supported him through what seems to have been a, a difficult change in careers for him. And kind of a kind of a difficult time in his life, and people like Jim, who we talked to, and a member of the Quest Army named Judith, 
uh, really encouraged him in some creative pursuits. And he even introduced his little baby daughter, Ruby, to the Quest Army. Uh, he met some of them in person, and he's been taking part in a lot of the Quest Army social events. And he he capped it off with, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote him, because this is a, a lovely quote. Uh, we really are family. We share and celebrate life events, mourn with those who mourn. I hope the show is renewed for a second season, but if not... I am all the better because of the first season due to the friendships forged and connections woven. So, uh... That's really cool. Yeah, the the quest has really meant a lot to Ron. Uh, I'm sorry, Ron, that I couldn't read your your entire email, but, um, hopefully I hit all the important, all the important bits that you really wanted to share with the world. And I can, I can totally see how this show would do that. How this show would create a community that, like, encourages people and inspires each other. Like, just based on how the paladins interact with each other about how they're all interested in lifting each other up and, and, and finding the people that can really lift them up. And, and so I totally see how that could, could take place in this uh, community based on the show. Yeah. It's so sweet. Um, we had another email. Do you want to read that one, Ronnie? Sure. So this one is, uh, is from Shirley Suckamel in the quest army. Uh, Shirley wrote, the quest earned my undying admiration for the respectful way the paladins treated each other, no matter male, female, color, skill level, or background. It was so good to see collaboration among equals toward the good of all. Which is like, yeah, that that is the quest. That 100% is, agree. Yeah, that that is everything about the quest. It's just, you know, no matter who you are, it's for the greater good and for the better of everything. You know, even 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 the paladins that were banished early, like I could see that being like a oh, I'm gonna pout about it, and I'm like not really like. And, well, now this is this is stupid. I don't like this anymore. Like this is all made up. But every single one of them was just like, nope, I'm not the one true here, and and they're here, and you know, I gotta I gotta go to banishment now. Just like everyone was so invested, and I love that. I love that. Uh, and then we had some audio clips as well that people uh, shared in their own words uh, what was important to them about the quest. Hi, my name is Judith and I'm from Germany. I still remember seeing the very first trailer for the quest on the evening before the premiere. And my initial thought back then was, ugh, a reality show? Really? I hate reality shows. They are always about disgrace and tattle and intrigues. I just don't like this negative stuff. And I was sure this show was going to present some poor fantasy nerds in the worst possible way. But man, I'm so glad I decided to check the first episode out, despite of all my prejudices. Because this show was nothing of what I had imagined. It was the most refreshing thing I had seen on television in a very long time. Instead of bringing out the worst, it was actually bringing out the best in people. It was all about teamwork, solidarity and honesty and bravery. And all this set up in a European castle with countless extras and actors. Actors with fantastic improv acting skills plus impressive makeup and special effects on all the monsters actually. The illusion of a vivid fantasy world was just perfect and I'm not surprised the contestants merged so well into this world. I mean, it had been created especially for them and that's pretty much the dream of, of every fantasy fan there is, right? 
The only thing I'm really sad about is that The Quest has never gotten a second season. Many people might not know this, but the writers of this show had prepared so much more. They hadn't only created Sanctum, the kingdom in which the first episode takes place, but there are also profound descriptions and history on all 12 kingdoms of Everon. And it's such a shame that we may never see these kingdoms and their stories come to life. So that, that was Judith uh, Damon on, on, uh, from the Quest Army. And yeah, I, you know, especially what she speaks to about like um, reality shows and how they are like steeped in negativity and drama and, and all this stuff that is just seems so manufactured. Um, I, I think I was prepared for that too when, when Andy and Evan first told me about the Quest. Um, but it, it's, you know, as we've talked about, this show does not need those tropes of like The Bachelor or Survivor or, you know, Big Brother. It doesn't need that kind of like villainy, like heel, like, oh, we're on this team, you're on that team. It just works because all of the paladins work together and, and it just it shines in that way. Yeah. TV can be positive. Entertainment can be positive. If you look at shows like Bob's Burgers or Brooklyn Nine-Nine you see that sort of positive humor. And I think the world kind of wants a positive fantasy show, a positive action show, a positive competition show. And the quest was providing that, and it's a shame that uh, it got cut so short. Yeah, Jim was saying that uh, the world probably needs the quest now more than it did in 2014. And uh, there, there sure is a lot of dystopian stuff, like in movies and on television and everything. So it is refreshing, unfortunately, even though it is canceled, to, to be able to go back and revisit something like this. That was just a fun romp in the woods where everybody supported each other. And let's hear that, uh, that last audio clip. Yeah, the last one we have is from uh, David M. Patterson. Hi, all. My name is David Patterson. I saw The Quest's first episode and was hooked immediately. The Quest was a LARP, which I used to do way back in my college days, something no reality show had ever done before. The contestants, known as paladins, were placed in the middle of an ongoing story and be required to interact with it to get to a conclusion, here being able to become the one true hero who would be able to defeat Verlox, the story's villain. The hero would not have to be perfect in the comic book hero, uh, superhero sense, just flexible, resourceful, and collaborative enough to make it to the end of the story. As soon as I saw it, I had to be part of it, in some little way. So I created a small group on Facebook called The Quest Army. Also, I created a petition to get the show renewed for a second season. Go to tinyurl.com slash thequestpetition to sign it. As of today, there are 3,790 signers. The group has gone from just a few people I knew to well over 2,000 members, including almost everyone that was involved in the show, paladins, cast, producers, and crew. The group is filled with incredibly talented people who have shared many of their talents online and with each other thanks to our yearly Questmas gift exchange. As many of us have said, the people in this group are like the best friends you haven't met yet. The group has also morphed into something greater than it was. 
the producers of the show came up with the idea of Project Hero to encourage people to come up with a simple act of kindness that they could do for others. This embodied the show, but allowed for all of us, to, all of us fans to feel that we're a part of something much bigger than a television show. I'm still hoping, after almost four years, that there will be some type of second season. Thanks for giving me the time to talk a little bit about the show. Take care. Oh shit, that's the dude who created the Quest Army. Yeah, I didn't know that we had a quote from the the highly prestigious guy who like brought everybody together. That's super neat. Wow. Super cool. That's great that he reached out. Yeah, yeah. you should have sent us these before, Ronnie, because I would have been like, oh damn, that's sweet. Yeah, I'm going to totally cut that out so everyone thinks that I'm a great organizer and sent you guys these months ago. Um, no, you can't cut it out. Everybody will think our reactions are fake if you cut it out. That was absolutely, <laughs> I did not know. Yeah, it, it's it's very cool. To look online and, and to to join an online community is one thing. To look online and say, hey, there's a, there's a need here, and to create this amazing online community that has been so cool to the ending pending family kudos to you david thank you for for creating this uh this online community yeah thanks thanks for your contribution david and thanks for for letting us letting us use your voice very good voice too if you yeah. would you should start a podcast <laughs> also of course he's a larper my man yeah thank you so much to all of the members of the quest army who have either sent in uh, their feelings or have just listened to our show or have liked any of uh, Andy's posts on the Quest Army. Um, thanks for being such a great community, and uh, and and we'll uh, we'll miss you when we move on to our next show. But you should follow us. It's this is a good podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> So uh, if uh, you're in the Quest Army and you still want to be a part of our show, there's still a chance on our uh, on our final episodes of our of our podcast arcs. We pitch season two. Um, we pitch season two. We decide what would what would be the best idea to uh, to make a season two with, and uh, and we're looking for your submissions. Um, so send it in to uh, p- pendingpod at gmail.com. Send us just a written. In, in an email or you can uh, drop a voice memo uh, or any kind of voice recording and let us know what you would do to make season two different and what would you do to make season two just as good as season one evan yeah ronnie uh is it working uh, yeah it totally is it was working when i first saw it it's still working. I would watch it again for a third time. Even if we never get a second season, I can just keep watching the first season. I'm down with it. I'm here for it. Totally working. Andy. Yeah, Ronnie. Is it working? It absolutely is, man. I really enjoy this show. It's a good time. Hey, Ronnie. Hey, yeah. Is the quest as a whole, episodes one through eight, is it working? It is i am a big fan of this i'm always you know ready for the seams to show for for something to to say ha that that doesn't work here that's that's no good that's because um, you're a killjoy that's because i'm a killjoy i hate things like selfie <laughs> um but you know it it's working it just consistently works and and, and it's only because everyone who's involved is so consistent 
the paladins, the NPCs. Like I, I keep harping on that, but like as an actor, as someone who you know was on the stage for a long time, like it's tough. It's tough to do that for two hours of a musical. So like the fact that these people can do it for essentially what had to have been three to six months, like kudos, like it, it brilliantly done. So join us next week to cover episodes nine and ten of the quest. It's our quest finale. Our quest finale. Our... Wait a second, Andy. It's the second to last episode of an arc. And you know what that means. Oh, we announce our next show. It's time to announce what we're doing next. And you know what we're doing next. It's going to be Marvel's Inhumans. Dun, dun, dun. This is like our white whale. Can, can you tell this is Ronnie's pick? <laughs> yeah, we were... Didn't you, like, set up some kind of news alert so that it would I tell did. you as soon as Inhumans was canceled? Any time a rumor happened about the show's ratings or about what was going on with it, I would get a text from Ron going, we're going to mm-hmm. get it. We're going to yep. get it. We got it. We killed Inhumans, and now we're going to do an autopsy on the corpse. Yeah, we personally <laughs> murdered it. It's our fault that this show failed. <laughs> I was honestly going through a lot of the shows that, like, didn't make it because there was like a you know a bloody sunday or whatever it's called of like shows that just got totally like annihilated after the first season there's some shows in there this year that i think might uh might make good ending pending fodder we can i was hashtagging everything ending pending list um but uh but yeah after the great show that was kings and the phenomenal show that was the quest we're going to go ahead and do the stinker. Or maybe great. We, I don't want to be super too negative <laughs> Oh, yet. I'm convinced, Ronnie. I'm convinced that you're unbiased. I'm, I I like Marvel stuff. Um, it has a giant teleporting bulldog, and it's still going to be garbage. I mean, Lockjaw is like, going to be good, right? Lockjaw is going to be good. No doggo is bad, so. Right. It's hard to mess um, up a space dog. Mm-hmm. We're like, so you, every time a show is canceled, we are like the vultures circling ready, yeah. it, like on social media, like, oh, did you hear that Inhumans was canceled? <laughs> Join us next week for the finale of the quest, the culmination of the Paladins, battle against Verlocs, and then after that, we'll be tackling Inhumans. But just remember, gang, we're never doing Firefly. <laughs>